Welcome to A Matter of Music. I'm Don Wisner Johnson. And I'm Beth Wisner Jansen. And you are listening to A Matter of Music. We're here to provide a unique space for musicians to gather tools, ideas, and education to help master this crazy business of music. So today we are happy to have Chris Ryan. He is a composer, song, singer-songwriter. Um, he gets, has television placements, and um, we're going to go kind of into his journey through all of that. Um, first, I'm going to give a very short bio of him. Full disclosure, he's my nephew. He's Don's son. That's me. So, um, I don't know if that's the only reason he's here, but it was easy to get him to come. So, he, uh, Chris started playing uh, guitar when he was, were you 12? I was 10. But 10? Okay. He asked I got more serious probably when I was like 12, 11 or 12? Uh, you, you were pretty serious for, I remember you like fell asleep with the thing in your hand and, but about 12 uh -huh. you started really kind of Yeah. 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 I was like, I was always into it from, from 10 on. I remember when somebody showed me different tunings, when I discovered drop D, I just, I like played guitar for a year straight like every day because <laughs> I was like oh I, I now I know how to make my guitar sound like the things I, I listen to <laughs> I think I remember coming over to your house and you were like <laughs> yep. yeah yep. it was that was pretty cool mm -hmm. yeah so he taught himself to play guitar by listening by you know figuring that kind of stuff out hanging around musicians all sorts of things YouTube and stuff like that and he also taught himself to play drums um, and when he was 15, he got asked by a hardcore band, a local band, a local band, that mm -hmm. one right there, to play bass on their um, U.S. tour. And he didn't well, know the, how to play bass. The right? band that uh, the band that uh, was before Sleeping Giant. Oh, it was. A lot of oh, the members Sleeping came Giant. from there. That's right. I always think it was Sleeping yeah, Giant. Yeah, it was Death Star. Death Star. Yep. And um, they got sued for the name. <laughs> yeah, because they put those X's there. Um, X, Death Star X. <laughs> um, I was not a bass player, no. Um, but uh, it's uh, w with, it was a, a, an easy transition, I guess, um, for that style of music, I would say. I am not a okay. bass player. Currently, <laughs> still, still not a bass player. You're still not a bass player, is what you would say. Still not a bass player. <laughs> Yeah. But you, but you managed that, and they knew you could because they. Had yeah, watched. I definitely managed it. Um, maybe not well, but I managed it. <laughs> <laughs> but I also remember um, on that tour, you you guys arrived in Florida. I think it was your first show. You did a show, and I got a call from the somebody. Might have been you or somebody. You, they weren't happy with how the drummer, the fill-in drummer, was doing, and you said, "I'm playing drums tonight." Well, well, we, I'll try to make this story quick. It was, we had a fill-in drummer um, who was meeting us out there. Um, I'm not going to say from which band, but, because okay. um, he was a really good drummer, but he was like, but basically this guy said, oh yeah, uh, we contacted him and said, uh, could you play, can you fill in on drums for the first two weeks of the tour because our drummer had some other obligation and he was going to meet us halfway into the tour. It was about 
I don't know, a month and a half long, the tour. Um, and uh, we got out there and played and got to the first show in Florida. The first show was in Florida, so we had to drive all the way across the United States. And we get there, and basically he came out and was like, um, yeah, I didn't have a lot of time to go over your set, and I think I might know, like, three songs. Oh, oh no. And that was kind of the first that we were first that we heard of it. So we attempted that, and it didn't go well. So, um, yeah. So we went to a guitar center that day because I broke a bass string or something. It wasn't my bass. Somebody else was buying the bass strings because it wasn't mine. Yeah. So um, I... Uh, and I sat down in the in the drum department on a V drum kit, and I started going over the set because I was even back then I wouldn't have really considered myself a drummer. Even I was a guitar player, but they didn't need a guitar player; they needed everything else. Um, so I uh, so I sat down at the V drum kit and was going over it, and I wasn't thinking that I could play the drums for it. I was just like, oh well, I know oh, the they music. They hadn't asked you yet. No. No. Oh. And I was I was sitting there going over it and I don't remember who it was but one of the guys in the band was watching me and he was watching me play and well I didn't have headphones on it was it was a live D-drum kit so he could hear it and he was like well you may not be like a drummer but you know the music and that's better than someone who doesn't know the music. And so that's sort of where that's sort of where it went. Um and I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, the first few shows were rough. I'd never played drums for a band, ever. Um, <laughs> to the world with other people, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this, and that band was pretty popular at the time. So, you know, we ranged from playing venues for about 200 people. And then there was venues that were sold out. There was 500, 600 people in, you know, small rooms. So, yeah, I sat in the van and went over... Uh, went over the songs with Eric and uh, on my lap with a pair of drumsticks and especially after the first couple shows didn't go well he was like all right we're gonna like really drill into this and <laughs> and we did and then by the time yeah by the time we got about a weekend because I ended up having to do that for about two weeks uh, about the last week I felt pretty good about it um, but you know I, like I said, I had never played drums in a band. I hadn't played in very many bands. I was only, I was 15. So yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, but. If only every musician could have that kind of initiation <laughs> to the world of live music. Being thrown in the deep end without knowing how to swim. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> that was trial by fire. Yeah, right. that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Well, so okay, so as you were out there, Missing your girlfriend, because how long was that tour? About a month and a half. Yeah, so six weeks, 15-year-olds, girlfriend at home. You were kind of yes. having a rough... I remember I met you at a festival. Your mom <clears> and I <throat> were at a festival, and you were like, take me home. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it, my attitude was quite that. I was enjoying it. No, you weren't it. serious. No, it was... Um, no, I was... Uh, I was explaining this to someone the other day it's uh that feeling of like driving across the country and not knowing what is next is uh you i was so excited like not knowing like knowing in my head what's you know east of texas 
that's as far as I've been. Mm. Like, yeah, I know it's there, but what does it look like? And outside of movies and television and what you read and you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a, that's a really cool feeling for me. And I remember just being like, so excited to see what all of these places were like. Um, I still have that with other parts of the world, but. Well, you've um, traveled to every state now, right? Yeah. 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 Gave gave you a lot of things and that was, but, um, so I just want to throw, throw in, you turned 16 on the road at a music festival. I turned 16 in Denver. Uh, almost we were yes yeah we were one show away from coming home it was right after that music festival yeah um yeah so um and we bet the reason beth and i went out because my band in the 80s my techno band had played this festival and so it was like wait a minute (laughs) my my son is going to play this festival we have to go so it was it was quite an exciting time yeah so you're out you're out there you're playing you're playing bass drums travel the whole thing it's exciting but you're missing your girlfriend and you started writing songs not hardcore songs no I kind of started doing that when I got back home um my thought my thought back then was this is awesome this is what I want to do somehow some way and uh I knew that I could tour in hardcore bands, maybe not make a lot of money doing it, but I knew that I could have fun doing it. And at first I was like, well, how do I get into this music thing more seriously? And that's what started me down this road was like, okay, well, I'm going to start writing music. And of course, yeah, I had some content on my mind being a 15 year old or 16 year old away from home for a month and a half or whatever um and that's sort of where that's grown grown men right yeah yeah (laughs) yep that's uh so that's that's sort of where my head was at with it was like okay if i want to if if i want to have like a like a longevity out of this i need to move into this other realm of music that I'm interested in as well and always be able to do both but it definitely started with the hardcore and metal music yeah you actually remember thinking that when you were 16 yes he's smarter than than I don't know how you did it Don but (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I was thinking that way at 16 but yeah okay no I I remember I remember thinking that for sure nice okay well it worked out because here you are (laughs) 16 by 16 you start you were writing you started writing more songs uh your mom and i heard them and i think you had what was your first ep about five, was it five or six songs five or six yeah five i'd six. have to go look <laughs> we uh we helped chris uh get with the producer and and do his first ep at 16 mm-hmm. and um yeah so then you had some stuff under your belt you had some stuff recorded yeah. and then so what did you do at that point? What were you, were you performing? What were you, I mean, yeah, what was, what I was, you said um, you wanted to do this to make a living. What, what were you thinking in your head and what did you do from there? Well, first off, I'll say the, um, yes, I wanted to perform. I obviously was performing before I recorded anything. Um, just started with open mics and stuff. And I remember the first time, time that I did an open mic, all my, a bunch of friends came and 
man, that was, I think that probably that music festival cornerstone was the most people I had played in front of. There's probably like a thousand people at our, at our set and playing an acoustic set in front of 20 people was the most terrifying thing that I had ever done <laughs> for sure. Of your um, own, your own original music. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was so much easier to get on stage with a band where your music is loud. People are moving around. I remember I walked away from that first show going, do they like it? How, how do I know? They're not <laughs> kicking people. They're not kicking each other. I don't, how do I, or do they smile and nod? They're I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> are they clapping because they feel like they need to? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Performing alone is, can be terrifying, can it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, so then you decided something. You know, that album was released. And yeah, that was a little, it took a little while for that album to get released yeah, didn't it? eventually. Yeah, that, because I think that its official release was that show at Best Buy 2009, but it had already been pressed right. before that. Talk but we considered that, yeah. the, that the, the release in 2009. Right. So, yeah. Sorry, I keep interrupting. We, um, the producer that we hired to do Chris's record had already, uh, he was someone who was writing for television that had started writing because, because him and I started a relationship and he was in another band, but we should name him because we'll probably, relationship. we will probably interview him at some point, although he doesn't know, but um, Josh Auer, because I want you, Chris, to tell me because you've alluded to it sometimes, how hard did Josh push you? Uh, it was, I mean, if I would look back on it, I'd probably say like not super hard, but from my perception of it being, I was not a professional yet. Mm. And so going into the studio with a professional was hard because you think that you have practiced and you think that you're good. And then the first time you go to record something in a professional setting, you're just like, oh my God, I suck. I'm horrible. <laughs> I can't play guitar. I can't sing. I remember <laughs> driving back with you on a few of those sessions. I just had to really give him a pep talk, you know, because yep. and it wasn't Josh and it was really good. You've told me you're so glad he pushed you. Oh like, yeah. No, this is invaluable. And he helped with like other producers that I worked with that I haven't worked with a, a large amount of producers, but like even with future hardcore bands that I was in that, you know, I was, I got used to the, uh, the producers being hard on me, you know, if a drum track wasn't right, I was like, okay, like, you know, I responded better to that actually mm -hmm. than somebody trying to like tiptoe around it and, you know, trying right. to make it sound better than it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Josh was, was very key in that first record. So yeah, I remember driving home from Orange County and like passing out cause I was so exhausted which I don't normally do. Don't fall asleep in cars. You were driving when you passed out. I just want to make that perfectly clear. No, no, no. I was, <laughs> seven, yeah, I was like 16 or 17. She was driving me down there to do that. Yeah. Back then. Okay, yeah. so your albums, your EP's done. And then what's your next step? What'd you do from there? Um, I, back then, uh, Best Buy was doing this like artist. Um, I don't know what you would call it they were doing like an artist, like a local artist spotlight promotion thing. 
They had like was, a little mini guitar center kind of in there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this guy was handing out uh, flyers for local stuff, and I took one, and uh, he and I had an album in the car, and I I don't remember if I was with oh, I my mom or not. Yes. Um, but I was uh, I was like, oh well, I'll take this, and you can um, I'll give you my I have an EP, and it was wrapped in everything. So I gave it to him and he was like, oh, this looks like professional or whatever. I was like, yeah, just let me know what you think. Because I was supposed to contact him, but I kind of wanted, I kind of didn't want to contact him unless he liked it. And about a day later, he, he called me or emailed me and was like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like, I would love for you to do, uh, we sh like, at first it was just to get the album in Best Buy, but then he came up with the whole idea of having like a CD release show for it and doing that whole thing. So that was all his idea which was cool. We, we got like a pretty good amount of people out yeah, to that level. I believe I was telling that story um, on another time. Uh, we, Take Two Productions, ended up doing the first show there with you. And it was, it was kind of cool. Um, we we're telling that story, I think, because we, that's how we ended up managing another band. <laughs> a bunch of them came and they were like, hey, can you help us too? So, um, you know, that was, but yeah, I for, I had forgotten, Chris, that you went back in yeah. with your CD. It was, it was really fun because of the, it got to, I got to have like a bunch of friends come out and there was like a formal place to like do a release for the album, but it was kind of funny people going in to like buy a toaster and there's like a show going on in the middle of the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the EP, uh, what happened next? Uh, Beth and I were beginning to shop music out. We did a deal with ABC Television for some music, and yours was in there along with another artist that we had recorded. Uh, mm -hmm. Beth and I. We uh, had probably what, Don? Fifteen. Fifteen artists in, artists in so. at ABC Television, and the two young artists that that we produced the records for were our first placements. Chris this was our very first placement. He was, and then and nobody knew. Nobody knew that he, he was Don's son. No, I had so. been working on and off at ABC. I wasn't at the time, but um, the, none of the music suits knew because our last names. He was going by Chris Ryan, so they didn't know. We were undercover, but that was nice to get the first placement with Chris. So, what happened after that, Chris? Uh, I was focusing on playing shows back yeah. then. Um, doing as much local stuff. I had like a little band that I played with at that point. I had a bass player and a guitar player and drummer. Um, yeah, so that was, uh, that's kind of what I was focusing on. Mm -hmm. um, we what went on shifted? a- hmm? uh, What shifted? What shifted to you? What did you, because you, you ended up trying to get into the library at ABC that had what what in your brain because before when you're 15 you had a I need to do something in order to keep doing this so was there yeah well back then I thought that doing having like a solo career would be the way to do it and try to like grow that I'd seen you know examples of that back then on MySpace and people putting music up and that's what I was obsessed with like all the way until MySpace kind of went away was getting plays and how many you get a day and posting things like often you know um i was a lot better at marketing back then MySpace. <laughs> i miss my <laughs> yeah it was, it was so uh it was simple it was mm -hmm. very simple um and uh but yeah i um we did one tour 
out to a music festival in Illinois and then back. Um, and then I got back and pretty much, it, probably only a year later, because that was all 2009, 2010 or 11, I was thinking, uh, well, back up. My mom had been working at this music library, uh, ABC Music Library, right? ABC Television, um, yes. Yeah. So I um, I had started to think like, well, that'd be cool if I could get music into that library. Um, so I submitted some some songs. After your mom um, had left already. Yeah, I had left there. Oh yeah, she had, she had left in 2007. Otherwise right? you would have been in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I left, you left in 2007, right? I did. Okay. And I so, think it was, yeah. So three this years was, later. so the first time I submitted something was probably 2010, um, and I submitted a couple songs and I got emails back that were kind of like, "Oh, this is cute, this is cool, I guess." Um, keep going, you know. Basically, like, "Oh, you're progressing," like kind of like a pat on the back, which was good, but no, like oh, would you like to sell this song or write for us or anything like that? Which also, is also, the director there had known you since you were Yeah, since I was so, little. So she was... had that idea of you in your head, too. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I sent a couple and um, was hoping to get a response similar to that, like, oh, well, this is great or whatever, but it was more like, okay, like, you're in the right direction. So I wrote a song, and I didn't want to send this again i didn't want to send this song again cold like i had so i emailed the director and said uh would it be possible if i could have a meeting with you and she said yes so i brought my guitar and we just started talking a little bit and i didn't want to be pushy but i brought it and she was like oh i see that you brought a guitar and i was like yeah that's kind of what i was going for <laughs> so and she and i was like yeah i'll play you a song if that's okay and she said yeah that would be great and i played her this song um, and she said, wow, that's, that's great. Would you be willing to sell that? And I was like, yes, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> that's what I was looking for from those emails. So that's how, that, that's how it all started. Um, and for a, for a time, that was probably 2011. Yeah, I, I believe would say. So. Um, and so I was, um, that was the beginning of it all. Right. I, I remembered this, and I don't know if you do, Chris, maybe because she had told me what she was going to do, but she sent your song, this song, after you went and produced it, sent it to her. She sent it off to a couple of music soups that I also knew, but they didn't know who you were. That's what it was. I do yes. forget that part. She, yes. she sent it off to see if they were even interested. Right. And and, they, but, but she did ask me in that meeting if I was willing to sell it. So I think that that was her saying, okay, if you're willing to sell this, I'll go try. So she did send it to a couple of the soap, soap opera um, music supervisors. And they exactly. said, yeah, we would, we, this sounds great. We would love to have this song. So right. And just let me say, that. because from being in there, I knew some of the people that were writing some of the songs, because the song library had, <clears throat> had started a few years before, a lot of them were composers. They were older composers who had been writing you should probably make a, a make a clear statement between what you mean the song right the song library. Oh, and an instrumental library. Yeah, because yes. they I, have two. 
when I had started at ABC, it was an instrumental library. We moved it into starting another library for songs and um, our biggest clients for the songs were the three soap, soaps at ABC, All My Children, One Life to Live and General Hospital. And they needed music, uh, source music is what we call it in their cafes and, and that they play on jukeboxes and things like that. And so a lot of the composers were writing those songs and they also needed montage songs. And I think one of the things they clued in, clued in on Chris was he, he, would, he had a younger sound. And so it just happened to be that they really wanted that, those guys. And then it was produced really well. And, you know, Chris. Well, that's, that's the other thing is that song that I played here was not recorded yet. Yes. I remember so we that. did that. So we didn't know if they would buy it yet, but we recorded it on what is called spec. We, we were just, okay. hopefully they'll take this. And uh, once we turned in the final is when it got approved. So there was all these steps along the way, but you, but that meeting was what kind of started it all. It, so it wasn't walk into her office, play the song and walk out with a check? No, <laughs> no. It was probably a month or longer. Longer maybe, yeah. Probably longer, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did know that once I got my foot in the door that that would be kind of where I could um, make a little bit of money. I was touring with another band at this time um probably for two or three years I was doing that so when I was home I would work on this music and then I would go tour with them and I would play acoustic shows here and there but kind of between those two things that sort of started falling by the wayside and it started just being producing music and writing music for right. television and just to be clear in this in this in-house <laughs> television library they would pay you up front for a song buy um, it outright buy it from you and so they would own the publishing side you still uh, obviously keep your writers so if that was played on television you're going to be making some royalties so you knew that this deal if you could write some songs that would work for them you knew that was a good deal yeah um, a lot of times in the industry we talk about not selling your publishing if you're an independent artist but you already knew from knowing about this library that it was going to be used and yeah. you would get paid. Well, you, do you remember, do you know the next song that I, the very next song that I did for them? I can't was, remember. Uh, was O Come Emmanuel. Oh, it was the oh, public really? domain. The yep. cover. Yep, because they needed, they needed public domain Christmas music for mm -hmm. episodes of these soap operas. And yeah. they asked all the songwriters to do that. So the very next one that I did was O Come Emmanuel. That's right. That's right. And you do get a little bit of writers. That's public domain. But um, because that's your arrangement, you you get paid a small portion on those. Right. So, yeah. So, so what I was saying about the publishing, you, you didn't blink at that, did you, Chris? You, no. You were ready to go. Yeah. I was also probably used to it from what I knew about that library because I knew I had heard you explain it. Right. Um, well, at the so. time, that library was paying a, a pretty good fee for the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For yeah. the song. Right. And, and you, I, knowing it would be used. Um, yeah, that's the big thing is knowing that is they didn't buy, they still don't buy music unless it will get used in some capacity, as opposed to 
putting it in a black hole of a gigantic music library. Like a production you music don't, library. Yeah, that you don't have like a personal contact with. Like that is sometimes dangerous if you're attached to that song. If it means nothing to you and you want to sell it, that's up to you. But if you expect it to do something and you don't have a clear path to where it's going, that is always a scary thing. Right. So how did you, that leads me to my question, how did you transition from being a songwriter where you're writing from your emotions, your experiences and all that into writing, knowing you're going to, the mindset of knowing you're going to sell it and also taking direction requests that they would give you. How was that transition for you? Was it easy? Uh, was it hard? It was difficult probably for the first year or so. And then there's still times where it's not, always 100% easy, but it's way easier than it used to be. Um, and yeah, I used, look at- You got used to that process? Yeah, I look at writing lyrics for something that I know I wanna keep very differently than what how I look at writing lyrics for something for television. Speaking um, of that, yeah, what is it? What, what kind of lyrics did they want? <laughs> it's so hard to explain kind of, but it's like vague, not super directed, um, like conveying a emotion, but one that could almost be like, could More go lots of ways. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it is, it's strange uh, when you're writing for something that's like one, that they want to use this song for a lot of different things. So you don't want the, the, the lyrics to point you hard in any one direction, unless they ask specifically for that, which does happen sometimes. Mm. Because it's background music a right. lot of times. And, it's, and a lot of music supervisors from what I've seen and what I've, who I've worked with, they like the music to tell kind of what's going on. So if it's, too, if it's super pointed, yeah, they like that type of stuff in movies and certain you know certain shows but certain then television shows right yeah might so. really want a lyric to point to something but with what you were doing you were writing more for the background and and they wanted to use that over and over which actually made more sense for you financially right yeah <laughs> it could be used yeah over and over so how does that make more sense how, how what's the difference between you know if you write something and they use it as a theme for a couple or they use it very specifically versus well, background. It's a, it goes, it can go either way. If that theme for that couple goes on for a long time and it got paid more because it was so much more prominent or it was a played over a montage that pays different rate. Mm -hmm. So you make more money off of that. So if it goes on for a long time, you're, you know, you're making good money. But once that storyline with that couple ends, they will probably never play that song again. Or if they do, it'll be a long time. In that so, specific show, right. Yeah. yeah, so then you've lost the revenue from that song being played in the background for five years. Right. And, you know. they it, and they could put it in this library specifically, which is, you know, is a network, the network owns it. They can put a hold on that song so other people can't use it. Yes. Uh, I guess they could. Yeah. Yes, they, they had can. I remember. I was at ABC for a few months, and I remember being like, "What?" Yes, they would because that specific show wanted that for a theme for that a, song. A time. How, uh, so explain. Uh, you ended up 
Um, I was going to say one more thing about one of your songs real quick. One um, got used in Baby Daddy, the show. Yeah. And it was for a dance scene. And you still get emails today about that. But it was actually written for, I believe, General Hospital. And they... They also used it in a dance scene. You wrote that. Why did you write that the way you did? You Is that the one that's in 3-4? Yes. Yes. Can you explain? They asked for a cheesy love song, so I gave them one. <laughs> okay. Don't you think it paid off? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just yeah. what it, what it love was songwriters. to me. Money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. And 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 three four, you've told me before, you feel like sometimes they get more use. Really? Seems like it. It seems I like don't know it. if it's I don't know if it's all in my head. Could be, but <laughs> it might um, be all in their head. Might be all in their head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three four, six eight. Really? Definitely definitely seems like they like it more. Yeah. Um I mean, that's that's almost too broad of a statement, but it, I guess it kind of goes in in waves, but right now I'm in a I'm in a three four wave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So have you ever? So you you get a contract from them, you know, two songs, three songs, whatever it is, and they start telling you, we want this, we want this, we want this style of music. Um, how does that direction? Do they give you sound alikes? Do they? How does that yeah. work? <clears throat> yeah, sound alikes. Um, things that they would like to use, but they know they can't get. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, sometimes like in, in a brief, they'll tell it, they'll tell you, um, I've seen briefs that say no love songs, um, no happy lyrics, um, or energetic, you know, hyper, um, or what's the, the, uh, probably the most used word in a music brief is ethereal (laughs) it needs to be ethereal and we all chase what that means (laughs) because ethereal is by definition ethereal yes yes Yes. hard to define yeah but yeah things like that okay so have you ever found yourself writing one of these and then you start to go wait a minute i kind of think that's something I want to keep. Yeah, that's happened a couple times. Not too many times. It's happened a couple though. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even times where it's not like I think that the, that the song I'm writing is this big genius thing that I can't sell. It's more I'll listen to it and go, well, that kind of sounds like bands that I listened to when I grew up. I don't know if that'll get the most use. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's another part of it is like, I'll probably enjoy to keep that for myself more then it will monetarily benefit me if I sell it. Mm. So what's the point? You know right. what I mean? Right. There's been times, there's a lot of times, to be honest, it does kind of end up being that more than anything else. Is like, you know, I grew up in the hardcore, pop punk, whatever, emo scene. So when I, when I start getting too far into like a band that I listen to a lot and I go, oh, that sounds like a band that I listen to. I'm like, that's not what they asked me for. Like, <laughs> That's when you. That's when your artist creeps back in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy owning this probably more than they'll enjoy putting this in the background of a show. Probably won't get used a super lot, you know. Right. 
Okay, so then they started asking you to write cues, not songs. Yeah. How, how, did, how did that, what was that uh, experience like for you? Was that a good thing? I liked it. Instrumental yeah. cues? Yeah. Yes. I liked doing instrumentals. I don't do very many of them these days, but it was fun for me to not have to write lyrics mm -hmm. sometimes and to be able to, now my, the producer I was working with might have a different answer to this, which you could interview him too. Um, <laughs> he, um, but I liked the instrumentals because it was, um, it was nice to try to get all of the emotion out of just the music sometimes and not have to write lyrics. And I could get into the studio and mess around with chord progressions and we could start a song like that and kind of build it. A song, at least the types of songs that we were writing, don't to me don't really go like that. I need to have a finished song before I get in there, pretty much. Like if I don't have a finished song, I probably have to have a writing session before with my producer before I come in and record because this is professional level stuff and you need to be able, the guitar needs, you need to have your tempo nailed down. You need to have your timing nailed down. Like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it flows so much better when you know that this is, we're recording this at a professional level. So let's get everything nailed down with instrumentals. It's just a little bit different because it's three or four different segments and you can kind of write it and get it going. Um, you know, not all of the instrumentals had live drums on them. Most of them didn't. Mm. Um, a lot of it was like, uh, like pads, like keyboard pads. And there would be some type of like lead instrument. Um, and it was, it was kind of cool to get experience doing that. It mm. was, it was nice to do something different. I see. It was, is it hard to convey an emotion through an instrumental or do you find you can figure that I out? Don't, I don't think it is. You don't? Okay. No. Yeah. It no. seems to me that that might be more difficult, but. <laughs> um, well, again, if you're, if you're, if they want you to be kind of ethereal. Yeah. That might be easier without lyrics, right? To me, I mean, ah. you know, there's a, it's not nearly as simple as this, but you know, you you have these chord progressions in your head where you go, oh, that's a sad chord progression. Mm. I mean, we can just all point that out just intuitively. I mean, even people that aren't super, uh, you know, musically minded can be, oh, that sounds happy. Mm. Oh, that sounds sad. And, and I know what key to start in to do that as opposed to music has all kinds of things. You could have super happy chords over really melancholy lyrics. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's all kinds of things going on between those two relationships. Um, what were some of the shows you were writing for, for instrumentals? 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, Good Morning America. Mm -hmm. um, those were the two big ones. What would you the do? The two. What would you do? Yeah. 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 Um, 
So, so are, um, when you're writing these and you get your, you know, contract and then the music soups or the, the editors and things are giving you, you know, suggestions and things like, how did that go with the back and forth between when you're giving them the first, you know, not draft and you're giving them the first, um, mix, mix of it. Yeah. How, how did that go? Um, yeah, that went well. It's different with everyone. Um, some people, you kind of know that you're going to go back and forth a couple times because they're, they're particular and you know, they're, they'll, there will be like an instrument in this, in the track, usually in the background where they go, Oh, can you replace that with something else? Or, uh, sometimes the notes are as minor as like, Oh, can you tear down, turn down the snare and then we're good. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, we definitely had things go back and forth that sometimes it was add something. A lot of times it was less add something and more take things away. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and did you, and then did you, you kind of figure out the, the, what they were going to do before they, after, I mean, you did this for several years with them. So yeah, after a while you start to know what to not put in songs for certain people and what to <laughs> add for certain people, what they're looking for an instrument that they're listening for or not listening for. Um, so yeah, you definitely learn people a little yeah. bit more. And did you ever know you're going to get a certain note from somebody? So you go ahead and put what they're going to ask you to remove or, you know what I mean? You leave something out or you add something in for them to, did you, did you figure that out? Yes. <laughs> yes. We're laughing because we know you did no. that. You've told us before. Yeah. So, I, like, I just like the fact that you, you know, played the game. <laughs> uh -huh. So you yeah. know they're going to say the snare's too loud, but you just let it, you pump it up a little bit. And you'll know, okay, we're going to take it down. Well, certain people, and I would never name a name. Yeah. Certain people, I feel like they want, they almost never will take something on the first go. They have to have a note for it. Mm. So why not give them the note of the thing that I know they will say, as opposed to fixing that and then getting another note. Right. Because some people will just want to put their flavor on it. Right. And maybe that's their flavor. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the timing as far as uh, from the time you get the brief, what they're looking for? What was the timing? Now the library has changed. Yeah. So it's kind of morphed. It doesn't pay as well up front, but there's some things. The, um, but... the simple answer is as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> the more complicated these answer. These days about how fast is it for you? How does that go? Um, I can turn out like comfortably a song a week, mm -hmm. like, and then we've had songs where we're doing about two a week. That's a little bit faster, but it's possible with right. the right, with, if, if it's thought out well and the song is written and done. Right. Can you divulge any production help? with how you've done over the years. I know at one point you, they were paying pretty good so you could send out, um, you have, we all have some friends in Nashville who are really good at what they do. So you'd send some songs out for production after mm -hmm. you got it to a point, right? Yeah. And yeah. And these days you're not doing that as much. You, you might do the drums in house and. Yeah. 
do it yourself. Because the pay, yeah. the pay for the song is gone down, right? down yeah. on that, but We do all kinds of things with drums. We'll program drums. We'll use old drums. Mm -hmm. We edit them. We move them around. I mean, anything that you can imagine, we've done. Right. Um, for time and money. So, um, yeah, when you have a little bit of stuff like that to work with, you have a good drum program and you don't let the tediousness of programming drums get to you, you can get it done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of money, like what, what kind of money would you make if you had like a minute? Can you even divulge at all? If you had a minute of, of a song on... Played? Yeah, on a play, placement and on national... For 100% of the writers? Pardon? For 100% of the writers? Maybe for 100%, yeah. What would a minute be, maybe? Daytime know, or probably like, nighttime? Probably be like $500, right? I think so. I'm around there. Five to seven. Pardon? Yeah. Prime time. Prime, Prime yeah, time would time. be more. A little maybe, bit more. Maybe like seven, eight, I don't know. Right. It's so different. The the scale that they use to track all to like determine what all that's worth is so complicated. Nobody that I really don't know. I don't think they know what it is, honestly. And yeah, and if you guys can crack the code on that one, you might get a Nobel Prize. I tried. Yes, tried to crack that. <laughs> I'm not that smart though. I tried. I tried to do smart one too. When I was at ABC and I had access to all the songwriters that we had there, I would. I was thrilled when I found a song that was on CSAC, BMI, and ASCAP. In other mm. words, there were three writers. Three writers that split that it evenly. Split evenly. Yeah. Right. So I could go look at who was getting paid what. So I, I've tried to kind of figure out their system. And and if somebody, if somebody listening to this has information that I don't have on this, I would love a correction. But from what I understood, there is some type of credit system with music as well. So that determines what the royalty is paid as well. Is that with ASCAP just, or BMI donors at both? I don't remember. Because he used to be with ASCAP, now he's with BMI. Um, there is a credit system where the more it's played, the more it's worth. Yeah, so the first time that I play that minute, it won't be the same as the 20th time. So that's another reason why it's complicated. And then ASCAP- I'm sure that BMI does that. But. And then, and I can never remember which one's which. And then ASCAP, one of them adds aggregate. So you play 20 seconds. If they come back to the same song and play 10, they add it together. ASCAP add it, adds, it together. adds it together. And I, I remember hearing that. But like I said, if somebody has, inter has information that nullifies what I think I know, I'm totally <laughs> open to that. But I remember hearing that explained to me before. So Right. Yeah. yeah. We have yeah. figured out some things, but man, they keep it. Yeah. Yeah. So would you, um, when you're doing a song for a musical library like that, that they're, you're hired to do, do you, do you need, and it's a song, so it has words. Do you need one vocal, two vocals, a female vocal, a male vocal? Do they pay you more for that? How does that work? Um, yeah, sometimes they'll pay for a second version with a female vocalist. Um, not super often in my case, there's probably other songwriters that you can, interview that had that happen a lot more than me um yeah like we had a song that was in that was like prominently used on general hospital and we need they wanted some lyric changes 
and so I had to re-record the vocal um, for right, those lyric changes. Let's talk about that one. What happened with that song? Um, it was, I, you're talking about Nurse's Ball, aren't you? Yeah, I got an email from the music supervisor of General Hospital asking, telling me that he needed tabs, um, tabs or, or musical notation, I don't remember, yes. for, for, the, for the guitar so that he could play, so that he could teach an actor how to play this song. And they were gonna use it and it was gonna be played on camera, which is a big deal. That's like the most prominent usage that you can get. Um, so it started off like that. So that was exciting because I knew that that song was going to get used and that is worth more money if it's used that way. So I was already excited about that. So we started sending emails back and forth and I got it, got him what he needed. And then I guess the writer for the scene had was writing the scene and they kept rewriting it a few times. And then it turned into, oh, well, we think it'd be easier if you came in and played the guitar. they wanted it they wanted a rewrite of a verse yeah that's what i i already said that oh you did yeah. okay sorry well, because they, they you were they were originally just going to have the two actors sing it they were originally just going to have the two actors do it but, but you're the trying to an actor to play guitar so you know <laughs> yeah and i didn't know but it was like somebody playing in the background so i was like oh well maybe they'll just get another musician slash actor i don't know um but the rewrite kept going and going and I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but basically it ended up being, well, would you like to just play the guitar on the show? And I was like, yeah, that, that's great. Um, and then uh, we kept going back and forth and then it was, okay, how about you sing part of the song? We'll keep your original vocal and then we'll let the actors sing the beginning of the song. And so it just kept, getting turning into more and more of a thing so <clears throat> had you ever had you ever been on camera before for a tv show no okay so what was that no, how about not to my knowledge <laughs> <laughs> yeah what was that uh what was that experience like going in there what 
uh, it was, um, that was a little intimidating, I guess. I was, uh, because I'm not an actor. And I had to go, um, before going and filming it, we had to have a rehearsal. So I went to the lot on AB, at ABC and went over the scene with the writer in the room, with the music supervisor and the two actors. Mm. Um, so that was good though, to be able to meet them before doing yeah. that. So how, we, how was everyone on set and, and those actors and? Oh, uh, they were, they were really nice. It was a great experience, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Did they, did they like give you wardrobe and cut your hair and everything? Um, <laughs> they wanted, they did try to do wardrobe, but the day that I showed up, I was, I had a friend who had been doing like extra work and he had done some feature acting roles and he told me he said make sure that you come as dressed as you can since you're not a regular because then they won't have to uh he was telling me that they'll like just so that you don't have to deal with that basically mm -hmm. and so I got there and they were like oh you're good to go I was like oh, yes did they pay, did they pay you extra when you wear your own clothes I believe they do I think there's a, yeah there's like a, there's like some type of stipend. Too, like, if, you, if you wear your own clothes and they use them, then they pay you like a you budget. You have to pay you another. Yeah, yeah. there's so many rules. Because yeah. my friend Union, who told man. me that, because my friend who told me that used to carry around tons and tons of clothes in his car. <laughs> and he would get there and look at what they, what people in wardrobe were doing. And he'd be like, okay, I'm going to go put that on. I'm going to go see if I have something that looks like that. That makes total <laughs> sense. I know who you're talking about. Uh, you just, yeah. wear your own clothes. Why he wouldn't do you? that? Right. Especially yeah. if they're going to pay you to wear your own clothes, man. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, re I remember you also telling me, Chris, that um, music supervisor introduced you to the, um, the executive, executive producer. Yeah, executive producer. Yeah, yeah. And he, was, he was really cool. He actually, at one point, said, I think we were done already. And he said, this is a, give it up for Chris. He's the one who wrote this song that we're using today. And this is his first time um, doing this. So, you know, give yes. it up for him. And they were being very gracious and that was cool. Right. Yeah. We've also talked about soap operas and how, how fast they are and how quick they are. And, you know, they get, they get bagged on a lot, but man, they're some of the hardest working people in television. Yeah. They're yeah. there a long time and they, they, it's, it went fast, didn't it? Recording it. Yeah, it's easy to forget the details, but I don't know if we did more than like three takes. Right. And the takes were all from just different angles. So I don't remember multiple takes from any angle. Right. It was all just, all right, this angle, let's do it. Okay, run it again over here. Okay, run it again over here. All right, good, move on. Right. <laughs> like, Hey, when we post this on our YouTube channel, we'll post a link um, to, that, uh, to, that, to that clip from General Hospital. Because, you know, that was a nice, nice little payoff for you after writing for that library for a while. I but what happened, what happened to that song? Has it ever been used again? Well, that's a good question. I'd really have to go look. Probably not, not on General Hospital. Yeah. Probably not on General Hospital. Right. Un unless they, for some reason, had to reference back to that moment, which could happen, but probably won't. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So you're you're currently writing for uh, General Hospital still here and mm -hmm. there, and what are your 
what are your goals here? What it, what else are you doing right now? Trying to get music as many places as I can, always. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Trying to write more. Have have uh, some personal stuff, I guess, to be able to shop out. Um, yeah, those are my goals. Right. And how, from that 16-year-old to looking now, how do you feel about being in the music business? I don't know your answer. <laughs> I don't know my answer. You don't? Okay. No. From it's a hard business, isn't it? It can be, but it it's rewarding. Be. It um, is rewarding. To be able to do something, and um, I just want to make it clear, I don't make a lot of money. I don't. Um, <laughs> Chris however, makes on very little money, and he's yeah. purposeful however, in what he does. However, I have told people over and over again that I'm happy. It's better to make little money as something that you like to do, for me personally, than to make more and be miserable. Which, I mean, that's that's sort of. I feel like that statement is unfair in a way because it's like too much of one thing or the other. It's like too black and white, but there's a lot of people that don't like what they do. And I'm not one of them. Any struggle that I have within what I, how I make money is not a big struggle because I'm doing something that I like. Even if I get frustrated with it or whatever, it's just, it's easier to take those types of frustrations when you're doing something that you know that you like and something that you've always wanted to do. And uh, to make any, money out, any amount of money from music, I would consider myself lucky. And because there's people who would love to be doing, to, to be making even half of what I make. You know what I mean? So you just right. gotta like always kind of remember that. Right. And do you feel, I, I know I feel this way. We all have different <laughs> views of the music industry, but. Don't you feel that um, even a few years ago, we were wondering what opportunities would be there, but look at all of the content now um, going out in the world with Hulu and Netflix and digital. And I mean, do you feel that there's a lot more content right now for music? Yes. You see that happening? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah, to me, I feel like it, I feel like money lost and I think me and Beth probably differ on this in some way, which is okay. But I feel like money lost has to appear somewhere. You know what I mean? At some point. Maybe it won't be the level and maybe it will still be a little bit lower. But like the opportunity, the chances of somebody getting their music in a, in a show just from happenstance and not being an insider of any kind is more possible than it's ever been at any time. It used to be if you didn't have a record deal and you couldn't get in front of people, you didn't have a career. You didn't make money unless you, you know, were pegged as a songwriter only or something like that, but you were still beholden to a record label. That is what, that is how you made money. You had to rely on them. So, um, It'll be interesting to see what the future holds. Right. I like what you're saying because artists can now produce their own music. Um, yeah. They can do this. You know, you can find a good producer. If you're a songwriter, you 
you can, you know, not everybody likes networking, but even now in the age we're in lately, um, there's so many Zooms happening. People are out there networking and you can find other people that want to do what you want to do. And I think, I think that's good advice, Chris. I, I feel like you're right about it's one of the better times for independent artists. Well, there's like a lot of like, there's a few like, like, um, like rap groups, like artists that are huge right now. And they met over the internet. Mm. They, they met because they all had a common interest and like, they would all meet up and like go live in a house together. And they <laughs> met on the internet. They didn't meet in their own city. Right. And then decide to do that. Of a really so scary movie. <laughs> but that's the same. That's the same story that you get from these rock bands. But yes. they happen to be living next to each other. Right. These people were like, "Oh, we all have this common interest. Let's all pull our money and go like move to where the action is." The same thing is happening. Even right. if the music industry looks different, the same thing is happening. And and like groups like that are huge now. Right. from saying hey we're gonna sit here and pull all our resources and like artistically like bounce stuff off of each other right. and like so that type of stuff is still not gone i but but i do think that if you grew up that if you came up in a time that looked different than this it's super discouraging to mm. look at well, but, well when you and i disagree it's usually over the the perceived value of art mm. yeah that's where I find it a little disheartening because, you know, yes, oh, I grow up and you pay for something that, you know, you value. It's and disheartening for sure. I just, I just wonder if there's a way to look at it completely different where people are still making money. That's well, all. You know, when, when Chance the Rapper came out and started giving his stuff for free, I'm like, what are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. well, I'm not signing with the record company. I'm going to do this my way. And he did. There right. Is thousand different ways to do something and you have to decide like you did at 15 you decided what your goal was you didn't know exactly what that was going to be but you have taken steps to make the life you want be the life you have and that doesn't mean you have you know you're somebody might see that grand piano behind you and think well he's not living too shabbily <laughs> that's not his <laughs> holding it for a friend <laughs> yeah so, chris but lives you know he lives where he wants you know he has that thing where he's like this how much value does this have and how much is it worth for my time and you know that's something I see in your generation that is very valuable as you guys but you know. it is but it is it does get better pretty much every year so I can't complain about that it right. gets better pretty much every year right. and, but that um, has to do with your hard work too don't yeah Yes, no, you've and worked hard. You've been persistent. Even now, you're trying to find other avenues, and you're following those. And mm -hmm. that's that's a lesson for anybody listening. And um, persistence. Beth and I always say persistence is good. Um, be persistent, even with me, because if I see an email every month, I'm going to know you're serious. <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to answer you. And, you know, Chris was persistent. He sent the emails. He went in because he had the, uh, an opportunity to do that. And, you know, sometimes you feel like, ah, I don't want to bother somebody. But if you want to be remembered and you want to get in, you might need to kind of push a little bit. Um, 
What's your advice on that, Christopher, as far as like annoying people and pushing in? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel the same way still. I mean, but you do have to just push through it and um, you need to ask direct questions. Um, and I remember, yeah. let me remind it gets you. easier. Yeah. It does. There were a few times when you weren't getting contracts from ABC and I remember you trying to get a meeting and you got it and you went in and you walked out and you said, okay, I got six songs. <laughs> you, that was something you knew I have to go do this. And yeah. whether you wanted to or not, you did it and it paid off, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't always easy. You weren't, they weren't just continuously knocking on the door. You had no. to work at that no especially well i can say that especially if you're already working for someone you need to ask what you need from them and ask if there's anything that you can do and ask if there's if there's something else i can try and those types of things are important um is there because people aren't just going to come up with opportunities for you you have to preemptively ask hey like i know i haven't done this but can i try this and like that can open up a whole nother door if you nail it. And, and, but no matter what, you always like have to prove yourself. Well, you um, also, in a contract, you do stuff on spec and. All the time, all the time. Yep. <clears throat> Especially, yeah, that happened even, yeah, that happened with ABC multiple times where it was something that they would say, oh, well, you haven't really ever done that style, so we're not gonna pay you yet. So we would produce this whole song, write it, send it off and just hope that they would buy it. Um, and we got ones turned down and we got ones not turned down. <laughs> it was, it, uh, but as we went, as I think that as we went, it started, we started getting less and less turned down. We started to realize why and how to conform to the other styles that we weren't comfortable with and things like Let's, that. Um, you, you, you're saying we, so I want to bring up your producer again. <laughs> you have a good relationship with a producer that you've worked with over the years and um, you both have worked together so long that you kind of know what they need and what they want. So that's important too, isn't it? To um, make good relationships and keep those moving and oh my gosh, um, yes. find, find people that are like-minded and that can work with you. Um, yeah. And when you start trying to branch out, sometimes you realize, that person doesn't have what I, even the work ethic that I need, you know, or whatever. And so yeah. that, can, that can get discouraging. But once you find something like that, isn't it important to kind of keep that relationship? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very important. So you have your own studio now and you've been, you know, working on things, <laughs> producing things, but that took a while for you to get there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's all investments of time and money. Right. I'm trying to bring that up. Thank you for saying it that way. If, if you're listening out there and you're, you're 16 or you're 30 and you're deciding this is what I'm going to do, you know, it is an investment of time and money. That's a good... And, you know, you, these days you don't always have to spend a ton of money, but you, the time is very important and to putting in the time for this. So. Well, yeah, I can give you a professional studio set up with and I can spend 30 grand on it and if you don't know how to use it 
or if you're not willing to take the time, then it's no good to you. It's a $30,000 paperweight. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's you. I have to remind myself of that, you know? Um, so it's not like, I don't want it to be like, oh, I haven't figured out and it works all the time. It's like, no, you always run into things that are frustrating and you, and, and if you ask my producer, if you guys ever interview him, he'll tell you the same thing. It's he, you know, when I don't know something and I call him, he goes, and he'll be like, Oh, you do this, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll tell me a story of <laughs> this frustrating time. And he's like, this is just 20 years of trial and error. And you're going through that right now, right. <laughs> you know? Right. <clears throat> so if you, if you're all in it for the long haul, then stay tuned because we will have uh, more guests and more people. Chris, um, thank you. Thank you very for, much. Appreciate your time. Going yeah. through all of this and explaining how this works. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, don't know how it might work to write for a uh, network in-house library. So um, this is valuable information and we appreciate you chiming in today. Is there any other valuable tidbits you might have or any last minute words of wisdom on leaning in <laughs> last minute words of wisdom um never cook bacon without a shirt on as the vegan yeah vegetarian but yeah so i never have to worry about that but to all the, to all you other people out there uh, okay all right. All right. There you go. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, you've been listening to A Matter of Music, and we've had Chris Ryan on today. We want to say thank you, and please continue listening, and check out the links below, and have a great day.
vida.